hopefully you made your way to Joshua chapter 7 is where we pick it up tonight as we continue our journey through the book of Joshua. So let's go before the Lord once more and then we'll pick it up there in verse 1. Father, again, we uh, rejoice in being able to come here tonight to be uh, gathered together to hear from you, Lord, and um, you're just so faithful to speak so powerfully through your word to us. And we ask that you would do that tonight, Lord, as we really just look into the things that you want to say to us. You do that, uh, you speak to us certainly corporately as a church, Lord, and and, but you also know exactly what's going on in each one of our lives, Lord. And uh, just pray that you would uh, continue to work there, because that's really where it all begins. Uh, you don't reform the outside, uh, but you transform us from the inside out. And uh, if we allow you to do that work, great things will be done in through our lives, as we'll see tonight. We'll see the those that resisted it and those that embraced it and the complete different results that take place from it. And so, again, speak to us as you're so faithful to do, Lord. We ask that you would move by your spirit in our hearts and our midst. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you made your way there to Joshua chapter 7. And uh, we left off last time with, um, uh, well, I guess we can give a quick, 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 quick review. Um, remember, they've came out, came out of Egypt. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because they just wouldn't enter in the land on faith. God says, listen, you can't cross over uh, this Jordan River, which is a, a type and a picture. For them, it was physically a river as well. But you, you can't enter into what I want to do in, in your life and the great things I want to uh, bless you and show you and do with you unless it's by faith. You, you, you have to walk by faith. Now, frankly, I, if, you know, if you were to corner me, um, I, I, you know, I, I can't, couldn't explain it to you. Uh, but in God's economy, faith is incredibly valuable. In our economy, what diamonds are, are very uh, uh, valuable, uh, certainly, you know, gold, uh, platinum, um, all those rare earths that, we never think about, you know, they're very valuable so much, a, a, you know, an ounce or a gram or a carrot or whatever it is if it's a stone. Um, but in God's, to, you know, those are building materials in heaven, right? The things that we value most on earth, you, you know, when you, when you see the Lord describe what heaven's going to look like, and he gives us just a few sentences of it because I don't think it's beyond what we can comprehend. But the, the few things that he does tell us, interestingly enough, he describes some of the building materials and he describes what's most precious um, uh, to us on um, earth here as just the, 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 the streets are made of it. They're, they're the asphalt of heaven. You know, it's made out of gold or precious stones. It's just kind of the foundation, you know, stuff that you don't really see in a building. You don't really typically see the foundations, right? And the street, nobody cares about. You know, you spit on the street, you walk on the street, somebody, some dog goes to the bathroom on the street. I guess I don't want to get a little gross, but you know what I mean? Nobody cares about the street. And, and I think, in a sense, that's what the Lord's telling us. Uh, the things that are so valued down here are of, no, of little to none to zero importance. But what we do know he puts a high price on is walking by faith. And uh, so they had a crossover on faith. So they did that, and God did some great things. And then he brought them to the first city uh, that they were going to face, the, fir the first battle that they were going to face. Remember, Joshua was a great picture of the Christian life as well. You know, you, you come out of the world or Egypt, he, he saves you. You're no longer walking and doing those things, and that's a great picture of that. You, then you move into the promises of God, walking by the Spirit. I mean, you could be one of those guys that heard of the Lord, know the Lord, gave your life to Jesus sometime, and then you just kind of walk around in the wilderness your whole life you've just kind of spun in circles uh, and and some people sadly live there it's not a very fun thing it's has a lot of misery but you know people do that but the Lord wants us to enter in and once we say okay Lord I trust you I'm going to walk with you I'm I just you know I'm going to follow you and, and we cross over now is everything come up roses when we make that decision no there's going to be difficulties and heartaches and and battles to fight, but 
The Lord says, I'm with you, and in and through those things, I promise that they'll all turn out for good. You know, Romans 8. And, and so this is a great picture of, of our Christian spiritual uh, life as well. And there's going to be battles to be faced. And one of them was, of course, the first one was very impossible. And that was uh, the, the, the city of Jericho, as we talked about. High walls, powerful army, uh, you know, impossible to, uh, to, to get through. And, of course, you remember the Lord just did a miraculous work and the walls fell down. I mean, basically, they didn't have to do anything. One thing they had to do was shout. Kind of hard to mess up on that, wouldn't it? <laughs> right? And the walls literally came down and they were able to take over. And so they've just come off this great victory. Again, impossible odds. Only the Lord could do it. And, and so uh, they've just, at the end of chapter 6, you know, celebrated this wonderful victory uh, of, of impossible odds. And now we find ourselves here in um, chapter 7. But I, I, I lied to you. I said we start on verse 1. But I want you to uh, look back at verse 18 of chapter 6. Because the Lord gave them some instruction. But when you uh, conquer Jericho, and, and you will, and they did, uh, he gave them very clear instructions, and that's important to our, our story. So read it with me, if you would, Joshua 6, 18. It says, And you, by all means, abstained, abstain, abstain from the accursed, or another word for that is devoted, okay? Devoted things, lest you become accursed, accursed when you take the accursed or devoted things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So the Lord said, one thing, when you take this city, whatever is of any value there, you are to put it in, uh, uh, it's all to be dedicated to the Lord. Kind of like the, uh, if you've been kind of following along with us, we had the festival of, of weeks or uh, of first fruits, uh, Pentecost, we call it some in the New Testament. And they were supposed to, you know, at the beginning of the wheat harvest, they would bring in their first fruits. It was just an offering to the Lord that you trust him, that, you know, you, he's going to provide and you know he's going to. And you do this uh, again out of faith. And if you would, the Lord was kind of doing that. This first victory I'm going to give you. But the one thing that you're going to do is you're not going to have any of that, anything that value uh, that remains in that city. You're not going to be having it for yourself. Now, the Lord promised them there's going to be much you're going to get. But the first city, you're not to touch anything. That was what he said. So keep that in mind as we read uh, chapter 7. So let's look at verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed, or again, devoted, your Bible might say, things. For Achan, the son of Car uh, Car Carmi, the son of Zabdi, Zabdi, uh, Zab uh, the son of Z uh, Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, I want you to notice something, and don't miss this. So, remember the Lord said, don't touch anything. Now, whether there was this one guy out of, well, you know, I don't know if all the people went in. We know there was about 700,000-ish soldiers, okay? Uh, uh, people, men of war. There's probably about 3 million people, so... 700,000 or so-ish soldiers, thereabouts, a little less or so. But, um, and so one out of all those took something. But notice how the Lord describes it. In verse 1, he says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass. Not this one guy, but they all did. And if you notice at the end of verse 1, it says, And the Lord's uh, burned against the children of Israel or everybody there, all two and a half or three million. So it was a whole nation who sinned, you know, only to read, of course, that it was really one man. What are you trying to say? One man sinned or everybody sinned? What going on, didn't say one man? Of course it was one man. So one person didn't listen, but what you need to see is that affected everybody. That affected everybody. Uh, what he did, as we'll see here and we read through and look at this, affected millions of people. Um, and I, I think that's a great point to emphasize is that, you know, um, as Christians, what we do and what we don't do affects all of us. 
we're all connected. If we're part of the family of God, if we're his children, then we're all related. We're all, you know, brothers and sisters, uh, you know, and, and he's the father. We're, we're all related. And so, you know, we affect one another. Some people have this idea, and we can have this idea that, you know, what I do, well, that just affects me. And, you know, I, I'm not hurting anybody. But, you see, as a Christian, and, and we'll see that not as an example just here, there's a number of places in the Bible where it talks about that, where, you know, uh, one person, uh, you know, really can have an effect. Now, certainly people that have more, you know, uh, exposure might, you know, seem to have, uh, you know, if they do something wrong, obviously you've charted over the years uh, people that were supposed to be Christians or pastors or were televangelists or whatever and do all these crazy things. Um, and, it, if, you know, that affects all of us, right? But what affects all of us, too, is that if we're a bad testimony, if we're doing something, or if we're living a certain way or acting a certain way, and, you know, people are watching, you know, your neighbors, your family, your coworkers, uh, whoever it might be, and then, you know, they, you know, they know you're a Christian, but yet you're acting this way, and, and they see that, and they go, well, if that's what a Christian's like, you know, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? And then, then you try to witness to them, they kind of have a hard heart. Let's say somebody does, well, you know, I already know this guy, and he says he's a Christian, but man, that guy oof, you know, is as bad as the rest of us, you know what I mean? And so we're all connected, and I, I just want us all to remember that. You know, the, the Lord is certainly saying here, and we'll see as we go through this, we're all connected. And uh, what the result of one man's disobedience is causing some problems for all of them. And um, let's, well, let's continue to read on. I just want you to point that out as we're going through. Verse 2, Now Joshua sent men uh, from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't worry all the people there, for uh, the people of Ai are few. Okay, so, uh, and I'll show you on a map a little bit so you get a little feeling for, uh, feel for where these towns lay, off, uh, lay out a little bit. But so they had this great defeat, I mean, sorry, this great victory in Jericho. Now the next town on the map was kind of a small town. You know, it's like going from maybe San Jose to Watsonville. I, I don't know, maybe Santa Cruz or something, right? You know, you're in this big town, this big victory. You know, there was a big fortification, big defense, big bunch of people. And, and the next thing, you know, you go over the 17, <laughs> let's say, and it was Santa Cruz, right? Oh, well, we don't really need to go and have everybody there. Um, uh, and, and so their their suggestion is, um, you know, we just we just need a few thousand people to go up there and take care of this. No big deal, right? We had the big deal just a little while ago. We made it through that fine. This one's a piece of cake. And yet there was a big problem in the camp, and nobody knew about it. But it wasn't a secret. Now, if you're with us last week, you'll recall before they were going to Jericho, what were they doing? I mean, they were seeking the Lord. You know, Joshua runs into the angel of the Lord. Remember that? Whose side are you on? Remember all that? I mean, there was a lot of prayer, and he was, you know, walking in circles and, you know, worried about this. How are we ever going to have a victory here? And the Lord had to say to him, hey, uh, Joshua, be as strong and good courage. I'm with you. Don't worry about this. And, you know, but you don't have any of that now. Why? Because, well, that was a big deal. That was impossible. Lord, I need you. But on this one, well... Yeah, we really don't. Yeah, we got it covered. You know, like we, we got this one. <laughs> we're, besides, we're fresh off of victory. You know, everything's up. And, uh, you know, Jericho was a big problem. Ah, this is a little thing. And, um, you know, famous last words. Lord, I can handle it. <laughs> got it covered, Lord. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, there was there were some other reasons why they probably said that, there, you know, uh, Actually, the town of Jericho um, is actually the lowest, uh, and it's not, they don't really call it, there's another Arab name for it, but 
the town of Jericho is still there. They built somewhere close to the range. It's the, they, it's the lowest city on earth. In other words, it's, um, it's almost about 1,000 feet below sea level, the, um, the city. And when you went to Ai, you actually went up kind of into a, 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 back into a canyon, a ravine. And so you really had to climb maybe, I don't know, 500 feet more than maybe Mount Madonna out here. So they would have to really climb up to, to get to this, maybe a little bit more than that. And so, you know, I guess some of the other reasons were, well, you know, we're going to have to get a few, a, a few million people. They ought to climb an elevation of a couple thousand plus feet. And, uh, you know, we got to cover, Lord. It's always our famous last words when we think, you know, no problem, Lord, I got this handled. It's usually the kiss of death, usually on stuff. But um, let's find out what happens here. They kind of got it all figured out. So... About 3,000 men, verse 4 says, went up from there, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as uh, Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell down, uh, to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. So we come to a place, by the way, just as a side note, uh, uh, the only defeat in the whole book of Joshua was this right here, by the way. 36 soldiers die. Why? Because Ai had some great powerful army. Because they were crack uh, special ops troops that just, you know, could take out so many. Uh, uh, it was nothing like that. They were not defeated from the outside. They were defeated from the inside of the camp. Somebody on the inside, something happened on the inside, brought defeat. It wasn't from the outside. There's a great, great quote I like to read to you from J. Vernon McGee, and it says this, The worst enemy that you have is yourself. He occupies the same skin that you occupy. He uses the same brain that you use in thinking his destructive thoughts. He uses the same hands that you would use to perform his own deeds. This enemy can do more harm than anyone else. He is the greatest handicap that you have in your daily Christian life. There are two factors that make dealing with this enemy difficult. In the first place, we are reluctant to recognize and identify him. We both loathe to label him as an enemy. But the fact of the matter is most of us are, are rather like him. The second problem is that he is on the inside of us. If he would only come out and fight like a man, it would be different. But he will not. It is not because he is a coward, but because he can fight better from his position within. Nations, cities, churches, and individuals have been destroyed by the enemy within. And again, it's, it's a great picture as that quote there is that, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of hoopla sometimes about the devil this and the enemy this and the enemy that. And certainly... There is an influence in this world. He's the God of this world, certainly. And certainly the world itself has a lot of traps, you know, always trying to pull us in and, you know, move us into that and, and you know, move us into that and do all this and have all that and, you know, get here and look at this. And, and there's certainly all of that. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest things is what's going on on the inside of our hearts and our lives. You know, usually that's where a battle lies, where we can find a defeat, where problems can rise up, and we can find ourselves, you know, uh, you know, uh, losing some battles because of what's going on inside. And certainly that's a great picture here of what's going on here. Um, not really seeking the Lord, figured they got it handled, and a lot of times that's when we you know, the, the carpet's pulled out from underneath us. We not, need to be very careful of that. And these guys, of course, look at it in great panic because, oh, man, 
all these nations which have far larger armies and are far more powerful than we are, if they ever just decided to all get together, you know, we would be toast. There would be no way we'd survive this. And so they figured, man, that's it. They're going to hear that we lost and uh, they're not going to be afraid anymore and they're going to come together and that's it for us. And so Joshua, you know, is going before the Lord uh, now, <laughs> seeking a Lord. The elders are there and, of course, the Jewish ritual of kind of tearing their clothes to show humility and and, and they're there, and, uh, and this is what he says. The great man Joshua, verse 7. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Ammonites, or Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we would have been content and dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when... Israel turns its back before its enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So Joshua really pours it out here. And what's his great solution? We should have stayed on the other side of the river. (laughs) I don't know. Does that sound familiar for you guys that have been going through with us here? You know, the complaining people that didn't enter in, that didn't have faith, man, they were just all, you, you know, oh, man, oh, why, Lord? Oh, I should have just stayed there. I should have stayed in Egypt. We should have just never crossed over. You know, it sounds like the people that Joshua has been living with for the last 40 years. But the problem was he went to the Lord second instead of first. What we can do so often as well. Oh, no problem. Yeah, this looks good. Yeah, we'll head in that direction. Oh, let's do that. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. And uh, do we go? And then when it all falls apart or something goes sideways or this, <laughs> and they're like, Lord, why is everything happening to me? Well, Dylan, because you should have just come to me first. I would have told you, don't go that way, you big dummy. Isn't that what Sanford, Fred Sanford used to say? <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> he doesn't say that, though. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, probably should. <laughs> but isn't that true? If you would have just come to me first, you wouldn't have, you know, I, I know what was going on. It was well aware. It wasn't a mystery. And he's teaching Joshua and all the people a very important lesson. You know, you need to seek me first, not second after everything is kind of going sideways. And the Lord gives him a good pep talk in verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. (laughs) Why do you lie thus on your face? (laughs) You could have, could I add, you could have spared all this grief, buddy, if you had just come and sought me. And he tells him, hey, just get up. Okay, we got to move on now. You know, don't don't lay there. There's a solution. You're coming to me now. I'm going to tell you what's going on. He said, verse 11, Israel has sinned. Now, we'll see how the judgment comes down, but just remember, this is how he looks at it. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and they have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their back before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. So the Lord says, Joshua, everything stops here. Put the brakes on. You can't move forward until this is dealt with. That's the word of the Lord for some of us, right? You can't move on until this is dealt with. I I, I just can't move on and and bless you and use you and do great things to your life unless you deal with this first. Because if I do, man, and and then you get in this spot, it's going to be a disaster all the way around. And he loves us too much to spare us, uh, or he loves us too much and wants to spare us from that. So he just says, listen, this is it, you know? If you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness, that's time, okay, I got to deal with it. Can't move forward. You complete stop until this is taken care of. You, you just can't. And you notice the Lord, you're going to read in a little bit what he does to the people that, that, that 
the children of Israel are attacking and destroying. But just remember, he is very serious, deadly serious with his own people as well. So it's not like, well, I let you do whatever you want over here because you're mine. And these guys, well, they're, I'm, I'm mad at them. I mean, the Lord's holy, and that applies to everybody in the world. And, um, and of course, even his own people. I, I just, I can't be with you. You're not going to have any more victories. Nothing good's going to happen. We have to deal with this. Doesn't do it out of torture. Doesn't do it out of punishment. Listen, if he wanted to punish us, we would have been smoked all of us years ago. None of us would be in this room tonight. <laughs> he loves us. Yep, we've blown it. And yep, we've really blown it. And we've really, really, really blown it. And I could add another 20 reallys on some of our blowing it. And I'll put my name at the top of that list. But, uh, you know, he's the God of the second chance. I want you to deal with this. Take care of it. And so he says in verse 13, get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Verse 14, in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come According, uh, come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it, shall, uh, then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed things shall be burned with fire, he and all he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So uh, now you finally come to me, how are you going to figure out what's going on amongst three million people? I'll take care of that. And I, you know, I'll, I'll show you what needs to be done so you can move on. The Lord's very deadly serious about this. Verse 16, so Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes and by the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zaharites and he brought the family of the Zaharites man by man and Zab. Zabdi, Zabdi, Zab, Zabdi, I think, was taken. Uh, then he brought the household man by man, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, and of the tribe of Judah was taken. Now, let me just kind of, I'll, I'll explain to you how I kind of, in my own mind, look how this went down. So, it doesn't tell us how the Lord separated this to get down to this person. There's a couple things that we know they did in the Old Testament. You might remember way, way back in Exodus and then, you know, Leviticus when they were building that high, the high priest had that special garb. And in his uh, a vest, if you would, it was this kind of an ornate vest. There was a couple of uh, what was called the, um, the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, we think they were kind of a black and a white um, uh, gem or rock. And when... People in the Old Testament wanted to hear from the Lord. The Lord spoke through those somehow. We, we don't really have any details. It very may well be that, you know, uh, now, now think of it. There's three million people. How are you going to, what are you going to do one at a time? It would take you three months to go through it. So remember, there was 12 groups of people, every, almost everybody there. There were some kind of Egyptians that came and some other people. But almost everybody there could trace their family lineage back to one of this guy's uh, name, Jacob, had 12 sons. They could all trace their family. That was my great, 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 great grandfather. And so uh, they could trace their line back. So they probably had 12 representatives there. And, and then, you know, they either, maybe they, they did lots or however they did. It doesn't say it. And the Lord said, no, it's, it's this guy. And then, you know, all the heads of the tribes of Judah would come up. Okay, it's this family. And then, okay, it's that group of people. Okay, now household by household. Okay, it's this guy. Here it is. And the Lord... Uh, determines and brings it down to this one man named Achan. Appropriate name, as we'll find out. Verse 19. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And I think Joshua is saying this in a very loving tone. I mean, he could have grabbed his neck and and I totally believe that, you know, if Achan had just gone up, you know, earlier and confessed this without being caught red-handed, uh, you know, I think things would have turned out different for him. But he didn't, and 
But even Joshua is, you know, showing, you know, I think some grace there, a mercy. And verse 28, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. I want you to notice the progression. He saw it, he coveted it, or wanted it, and then he did it. Now that might sound very familiar, because it's exactly what happened to Eve in the garden. Right? Satan's tempting her. She saw that the, the fruit looked good. Oh, man. Oh, by the way, you know, I, I, I used to think avocados might have been the, the, the fruit of knowledge. It doesn't tell us what it is. But I changed my opinion. And it just changed, um, let's see, Thursday. What's today? Thursday. So it changed Saturday. Um, because I don't know, have you gone down to the Driscoll store and got the seasoned finest blackberries? We happen to have some Annabelle's uh, niece came in from Southern California. And for some bizarre reason, Annabelle wanted to take her to the Driscoll store for the berries. Not that something I would have, would have put on the list at all, but okay, I'm okay with that. That's where you want to go. But it turned out to be a very important uh, uh, discovery because I didn't realize for about three weeks they get, they have like a gold, um, I know I'm really digressing, okay, but just... I, my mouth's watering thinking about this. They're called, I think, called Seasons Best or something. If you go there tomorrow, they'll probably still have some. And uh, they're blackberries, but they are like eating candy. You know how sometimes the blackberries are bitter, and it, but these are like plump and perfect. You literally eat a whole clamshell. I guarantee it. Well, Tony probably would have just dumped them all in his mouth, but most of us would eat in less than a minute. They are so good. And my new theory is that must have been the fruit because. Man, I have I I don't know if I've tasted a better fruit than that, it, you know. And I've tasted a lot of fruit. Okay, so Eve saw this season's fine, whatever. It is. She's oh, it looked good, right? Isn't that the temptation? Let's get back here. Get your head off the blackberries, and I'll wipe my mouth here. And you know, she saw it, and then she's oh, it's it's going to be good for me. It's good to get that knowledge, and then she did it, and that's really how sin works, guys. I've been you know, really been talking to um, my son, Ethan, and telling him that. I said, you know, the battle for your heart and passions is right here. It's nowhere else. If you, and the Bible's very clear on that, certainly. You know, if, if, if you stop it in the mind, if you don't entertain the thoughts, you're not going to go there. If you don't entertain those things, you're not going to, you know, go out and do that or get that or see, you know, it's all right here. It's, it's waged here. Once we decide, oh, it looks good. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'd like to do That's it. Your body is going to follow. You're going to do it. You're going to go there. You're going to whatever it might be. And, um, and that's exactly what happened here. It's the same progression of sin. It, you know, the, the devil runs about three or four plays, but he's very, they're very successful. And it, it really runs this way. It's, it runs this way here. It ran it in the beginning. It ran it. Ran, still running it today. Remember... We just don't entertain it. We uh, capture all those thoughts, you know, keep them uh, submitted to what in Christ Jesus. You know, we don't take that next step, and we find ourselves in a lot less trouble. Certainly, he would have as well. So he tells them, verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in his tent, the silver underneath it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Achor. Now that just, you know, valley of Achor, you know, valley of trouble, so it's, that's the idea. You know, he brought this difficulty, and they named it after that. And Joshua said, uh, why have you troubled us? And the Lord will trouble you this day. So Israel stoned him with stones, and they bury, uh, burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. So after they were dead, then they just burned up everything. 
Then they raised over him a great heap of stones there, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of the place has been called the Valley of Achor or the Valley of Trouble. This brought a lot of trouble on us to this day. Now, you may think this is severe. And granted, it is. Certainly it is. But the Lord was making it this way on purpose. And let me explain this because we're going to see this as we go through Joshua a little bit more. First, we need to remember it cost 36 soldiers their life, his action, right? 36 people died as a result of his action. Second of all, we always need to remember, which we can tend to forget. Now, and, and we're easily reminded, people that don't know the Lord have a hard time understanding it. But we need to remember that, uh, you know, our tendency is to focus on the temporal, the here and now, and not the eternal. What I mean is, people think, man, you know, uh, uh, life is everything. But we know as Christians, life is really nothing. As a matter of fact, the Bible describes it as a, as a, a breath, as a wind, as a, you know, fog is here in the morning, it's gone in the afternoon. It's, it's just a wisp. It's nothing compared to eternity. And so, again, um, you know, when people die in the Bible, that doesn't mean that all of them are ushered into some sort of eternal punishment. I certainly believe there is a number of people that he ushers into heaven. And trust me, nobody that leaves this life and goes to heaven ever wants to come back. It's not a complaint. Oh, man, I could have lived 10 more years down there in Watsonville and paid that rent or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I could have, you know, eaten 10 more flats of blackberries or whatever. You know, nobody's heaven so completely. We always need to think in the eternal and, and remember that. The Lord's always thinking about eternity. And the last thing I want to say is, you, you know, Yes, it was severe and harsh, but this is also what the Lord does, especially when something new is happening. What I mean to say is he takes it very seriously when a new work or some event, something that he's doing, some new thing. In the, he, he, he starts it out to make sure that there's very, it's, it's very serious in everybody's mind and, and nobody uh, plays around with it and thinks it's just, you know, no big deal. Uh, you might remember when uh, the Lord had them build the place of worship, that tent that traveled with them. It's called the tabernacle. And remember Aaron's sons were going to be the next priests in line, and they were there dedicating it. It was a big deal. They were just finished building it, this, this you know, place of worship, and the Lord had told them how to do everything. And then his couple of boys just you know, go off the rails, and they fell down dead. And the Lord wanted to say, listen, hey, we're just starting... I'm just telling you how to worship. And here's the two guys that are supposed to be like representing you to me and me to you are, are going off the rails. And that's it. They fell down dead uh, when the church was birthed. We're going to get to that on Sunday morning in, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks. Uh, remember Ananias and Sapphira? You know, everybody was bringing things to the church and, you know, supporting everybody. And everybody had things in common. It was kind of a you know, a deal that they were doing where the church was, was new, and, and, and they deceived, uh, they had some property. And, uh, you know, people had been doing that to help out. They would sell their property and bring the proceeds to the, to the Lord. And so Ananias and Sapphira did the same thing, but then they said among themselves, well, you know, we got, uh, you know, 100000 for this property. Let's just keep twenty-five for us and, and give the seventy-five. Nothing wrong with that, right? Pretty Generous no matter what, right? But you see, what they did is when they came into church, they made it seem like they had given everything they had gotten like everybody else did. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, hey, Ananias, why are, you, why are you lying? It was your property. You didn't have to sell it. You didn't have to give it all. But why are you deceiving everybody to thinking what you did, which wasn't true? That's it, buddy. And he just literally... Bam. And then his wife came in later. You remember? She said, yeah, yeah, that's what we sold it for. Bam. She was dead. Now, they did. every time somebody deceives somebody in the church, we'd all be dead, okay? <laughs> Obviously, it's not happening today. But, you know, when the Lord stopped, he wanted everybody to know, and there was a great fear that fell on the church. You know, take it seriously. 
take it seriously, guys. You're in the promised land. And I, I told you to do it this way. If you do it this way, you could bet everybody was taking it seriously from then on out, right? You could bet everybody in the church at that time was taking it seriously. And, and the Lord allows examples like that to happen so that, well, we'll all learn and fear and realize, take things seriously at times when we, we don't. Well, let's look uh, at what happens in chapter 8, and it's not much to it, just kind of a battle. So let's look at it, and we'll, we'll finish up there tonight. Verse 1, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise, go to Ai. See, I have given it into your hand, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only this spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves, Lay an ambush for the city behind it. Okay, now that the sin is put away, there is going to be victory. And the Lord encourages Joshua, don't give up, don't, you stumbled, you tripped, okay, you should have come first, you came second, we learned all this stuff. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, remember when we blow it, seek forgiveness in the Lord, move on, learn not to repeat it, Right? In fact, there's a great psalm that says this. Psalm uh, 37, 23, and 24 says, The Lord dis- directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. It just, you know, no matter how badly we failed, we can always get up and begin again. We have a God of new beginnings. Yep, there were some mistakes, and we blow it, we get come clean with the Lord, and okay, Lord, forgive me, I want to move forward, and again, he's the God of second chances, third chances, fifth chances, you know, he just wants us to come to him, and, and the Lord reminds Joshua, reminds us, I have all the resources available to you, okay, and, and note, finally, this time, this city, everything in there, it's all yours. Split it up, right? He just wanted them to walk in faith on the first one, the second one, the third one. The fourth. There's going to be much there. This guy, Achan, would have had more than he ever, you know, a hundred times of what he desired back there. But, you know, he got greedy. You know, you know the process we talked about. He saw it. Ooh, it looked good. Yeah, I could take it. Again. All right. So, verse 3, so Joshua arose and all the people of war... And then it goes on to, to tell them there, and I'm just going to summarize there. Well, I'll read it a little bit. He chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. He commanded them, you know, lie out in ambush behind the city. Don't go very far, but be ready. And then he, verse 5, he took, uh, then I and all the people will approach the city and it will come about when they come out against us, we shall flee like they did before. And then when they come out after us, we've drawn them out of the city. They will say they're fleeing as... Uh, before us as they did at first. Therefore we will flee before them and you'll rise up and ambush and seize the city and the Lord will deliver it into your hand and it will be when you have taken the city that you will set it afire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. By the way, there's only three cities out of every one they took um, that they burned uh, was Jericho, this one Ai, and there'll be another one, Hazor, I think it is. All the rest of them, they, they ended up occupying them. Um, but notice this, I want you to notice this from last time, completely different strategy, battle strategy. As a matter of fact, this is probably kind of a typical battle strategy, you know, um, you know, lie ambush, kind of, you know, kind of think that they're running away again, that they're winning, so they come out of the city, and and then we'll, you know, you guys kind of sneak in behind them, and uh, again, um, last time it was just walk around the city, let the, you know, the priest blow the trumpets, you don't do anything, do that for six days. On the seventh day, do it six times. And then on the seventh day, the only thing you're going to do is yell when the, the priests blow you know, a long sound on the seventh time around the city, and then you can go in. Very, un- Nobody would ever do that as an army for a battle strategy. Here, this is more conventional. Why do I say this? We've got to be open to whatever way the Lord wants to do anything. Sometimes he does stuff that you know, makes sense to us in, in that way. Oh, okay, that, I get that, all right. Other times it's like, you want me to do what? Do what? Do what? <laughs> and, 
And, and, you know, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Oh, well, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The Lord's leading you. You know he's speaking to you. And, and, you know, we just have to follow him in whichever way he wants us to do. We can't say just because I've never done it this way, I've never heard anything happening that way, that doesn't, you know, what we all of a sudden going to say no to the Lord. He might want to do something completely new that we have no idea. Amen. That's what walking in faith is all about. It's important that we seek him in every situation and, and don't depend on past victories or the way we used to do it, and we got to continue to do that. You know, churches fall into that all the time. Well, this is the way we've always done it. I mean, we've always done that way for years. Why should we change because God might want to do something different, you know? You know, God might want to have a bunch of big, ugly bikers come in, right, Marty? Sorry, they're not all ugly. <laughs> they're a bunch of good guys. Right? Uh, okay, uh, you know, am I a biker? I, I, I chronically underdress, but, you know, uh, not, but hey, if God wants to reach them, we, Marty's there, we reach them, right? Whatever it is, whoever they might be. A homeless, uh, uh, you know, out there on the street on Main Street, you know? My deal? Not in a million years. But who knows? God might want to, hey, Tony's got a vision. Hey, let's, whatever, what can we do, right? We just, we got to have that kind of heart. And uh, it's hard not to, hard to be, you know, sometimes you get settled in, but that's not what the Lord has for us. We got to be open. Here he does it a very conventional way before he did it very unconventional way. And so, just for tonight, he sets them all up. And here's a, a good map if you got very good vision. <laughs> It'll look great on my screen. Uh, anyway, let me just uh, point. I have a better map I'll show you in a minute. Just, just, just gives you, a, you know, kind of a general area. So Jerusalem is over here. So they, they left here. They crossed over the Jordan. Here was Jericho. Then they're going to go to Ai and have this battle. We'll see at the end they're going to go up to Shechem there. Uh, Shechem, and, and here's the, the guys kind of going around to set the ambush, okay? But it gives you some idea, you know, right here Jericho is pretty close, AI was a little farther away, and, and so they're going to set that ambush. Here's a little better shot of it, maybe. They cross over, here's the battle at Jericho, um, here's AI, uh, a lot of the troops are going to, they're kind of camped out here, so a lot of the troops are going to go right up to the front, some are going to go around to the back, and that's what he, the Lord's telling them to do. And finally, this is probably the easiest one to see. So they come in, and here's this other one. And then some of them are going to go up towards Bethel a little bit. Others are going to kind of circle around the back and hide. And the main group is going to come up the middle. That's just what the Lord wants them to do. And that's pretty much what it says all the way down to verse 23. And then the king of Ai, uh, they took alive, it says, and brought him to Joshua, and it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field and in the wilderness where they pursued them, when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So all uh, it was all was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000 and all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, which he had stretched out, the spear until he had utterly destroyed the inhabitants of Ai. So kind of think of what uh, Moses did, remember? Remember he held out the staff and uh, his brother and one of his helpers, her, had to help them out. And it was very similar. Joshua was doing the very um, similar thing that day, um, you know, showing that the victory was from the Lord and not from how great warriors there were or anything else. And then verse 27 says, Only the livestock and the spoil of that city they took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord which he commanded Joshua. And Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And this is, you know, Joshua writing it years later, so uh, that's what that, this day means. And the king of Ai, he hung on a tree until evening, as soon as the sun went down, and Joshua commanded them that they should take his corpse down from the tree and cast it to the at, at the entrance of the city gate and raised over it a great heap of stones and it remains there to this day. And then finally, uh, uh, Joshua, verse 30, built an altar to the Lord God of Israel on Mount Ebal as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded uh, the children of Israel as written in the law of the book of Moses. And an altar made of whole stones over which no man had wielded 
an iron tool. And they offered burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings. And there they presented to the children of Israel. And he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written down, which he had written, I'm sorry. Then all Israel and all the elders and officers and judges stood on the either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant, the stranger as well as one who was born among them, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, and the other half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded that they should bless the people of Israel. And so after the military campaign, Joshua follows what Moses told him in Deuteronomy 27. Listen, when you get into the land, you're going to go up to this place called Shechem, which is, you know, past Bethel and Beth-Avon, where, where, where uh, Abraham had roamed, and Isaac and Jacob had all worshipped the Lord there. And I want you to spend some time now. You had a couple of victories reflecting on my word, who I am, what I'm doing. And, um, and remember, um, I want you to build an altar of uncut stones. Remember this. The Lord told them very specifically, when you worship me, I don't care what the altar looks like. I don't want people going, ooh, look at that altar. It's gold. It looks beautiful. I want the focus to be on who you're worshiping, not the building materials, right? And, and you know, sadly, you can go in some places. Um, anyway, my family being one of them, I've been to a lot of places, beautiful, ornate altars all over the place. And, uh, you know, that's all they looked at it. My family did is looked at it as art and, and, or construction or beautiful design. And the Lord says, listen, I just want you to don't put a chisel on it. The point of it is I want your heart to be focused on who you're worshiping and not on some fancy dancy thing. Um, and, uh, and he told them that. And so that's what everybody else did. They made all these fancy places. And he said, I don't want it to be that way. I'm going to be different. And so... Basically, back to our map that you can hardly see, but it gives you some perspective. So here's the Battle of Ai. He has them go about 30 miles north to do this. I mean, in the middle of your conquest that God said you're going to have all this and more as your land, I want you to take a time out and focus on me. So you're going through enemy territory, literally, 30 miles here, and you're going to spend some time before me and remember who I am and what I've done and what I want you to do. And let's finish up verse 34. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that was written in the book of the law. There was not a word that all, uh, uh, of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. And so everybody, didn't matter if they were little ones, they were old ones, you know, if they were... Uh, descendants of Israel or they came from Egypt or came along the way everybody heard the word and everything was read to them and again it was more important for the nation to hear the word of God than to fight any more battles at that time amen